So good to see you, Bridge. You can be seated. So glad you're in the house today. I trust God will bless you. Those of you that are watching online, I know fifth Sunday, holiday weekend between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of our folks are on the road, and you're with families. Many are watching online. And then, of course, we've got a, a growing online campus as well from people all, literally all over the world. Uh, we're averaging, I don't know if you know of it, about 400, 450 people watching online uh, every Sunday, and so we're excited about you that are with us online. Can we welcome the online congregation of the bridge? Uh, so glad you guys are with us today, and I trust that, that the Word of God will speak to you. We're wrapping up a series. For those of you that knew, we've been in a series. We've been talking about the prophetic names of Jesus, the names that were ascribed to him 800 years before his birth and then came to reality when he invaded earth on that first Christmas. And it's taken from the prophet Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So if you brought a Bible, if you've got a Bible with you, you can flip there, open up your smartphone and open the YouVersion Bible or, or go to the Bridge NC app. All of the notes are there. You can call those up, but they'll be on the screens as well. But let's get into the Word together, okay? Uh, if, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Ready? We'll read it together. Let's read it out loud. Here we go. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, read them out loud, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We've already talked about the idea of him being wonderful counselor. We've talked about him being our Prince of Peace. Today, I want to kind of look at Everlasting Father and Mighty God together as we wrap up this little mini-series. And I want to talk to us, I want us to talk a little bit about this idea of this Everlasting Father and what that actually means. What that says to me, quite frankly, is that God wants me to relate to him as a father. He wants to relate to me as a father. He wants me to have uh, the same kind of intimate interaction that I did with my own dad. He wants me to have that kind of relationship. And that's good because relating to this kind of impersonal, may the force be with you, or this cosmic killjoy sitting on a throne a million miles away is really hard. But when we kind of put it in the context of a father, it gives us a little bit more personal reality to hold on to. But let's be honest, it can also be a painful reality. I mean, I had a good relationship with my dad, even though he died very young. And, uh, and some of you have had some wonderful experiences with dad. Some of you perhaps not so wonderful. And so when I start talking about God as a father, your reaction is, okay, what else you got? Because <laughs> that's not exactly this loving, enduring kind of relationship. For some people, the, the idea of father carries the emotion of, uh, or memories of neglect or, or even abuse. Some of you might say, well, you know, my dad was, was a good guy. He just was never around. He was either at work all the time or he was hanging out with the guys or he was watching a game or something, but never was accessible or available to me. Maybe for some of you, the idea of dad, father represents fear. You wait till your father gets home is what resonates in your mind. Whatever the specifics are, uh, when you hear God is like my father, you, you're ready to, can we move on to the next subject? Some years ago, I used to, during the greeting time, instead of just saying turn and, and greet somebody, I would give people a question to ask. I'd turn around and turn somebody and say, you know, what's your favorite color of popsicle or something stupid just to get people talking. And one day on Father's Day, I said, turn and, and say something wonderful about your dad. And I had a guy turn and run out of the room as soon as I said that. And I realized that's not exactly a safe question for many of us. 
The bottom line is this. It's important that you understand we're not just talking about father in general. We're not just talking about dad in general. We've been talking every week throughout the series that these are compound names. So, so you've got to understand the compound name in order to understand who we're talking about. The word is everlasting father. In the, in the Hebrew, that word everlasting is the Hebrew word ad that literally means in perpetuity. It means forever past, present, and future, and the word father in Hebrew is av, so it's ad-av, which means the, the, the originator, yes, uh, and the benefactor of, uh, of the head of the family, but put those two together and you get far more than an earthly father. Let's be honest, guys, you know, us dads, so just can we be honest for a minute? Uh, we are not perfect beings. We dads are imperfect in the way we've done it. We do our best, perhaps, but sometimes our best is imperfect. Can I get an amen from the dads in the house? Not the moms. You sit real still and be quiet. <laughs> from the dads, can I get an amen? Yeah, we all, you know, look back on our fatherhood experience. Some of you just entering into your fatherhood experience, and there's a nervousness because we are humans, but we are not the everlasting father. He is the everlasting father. So in the few minutes I've got with you, I'm not going to keep you long. Today I realize we're in the middle of a holiday season and a lot of stuff going on, but I just want to kind of close out the year with, uh, with a subject that I think is foundational for us. Next week we're starting a whole new series we're calling Sound On, and we're going to be talking about how God speaks and how do you hear His voice and how do you respond to His voice. It's going to be a powerful series I really, really, really want you to be a part of, but for today let's just settle some things, okay? Let's make sure the foundation is in fact intact. In and the way I want to do that is I want to identify four common myths about God as a father, and then I want to tell you the truth. And then we're just going to wrap up by making four faith statements about the truth. Four myths, four truths, wrapping up with four truth or faith statements that I hope will become an incredibly important part of your 2020 as we get into it. So you ready to get on to it? Okay, ready? Myth number one is simply God is unreasonable. This idea that God is, is this cosmic killjoy sitting on a throne a million miles away with a big stick making all kinds of demands on our lives. He is perfect, we are not, and he loves to remind us of that. And so he puts all kinds of rules and regulations on our lives. He wants to be sure you're having no fun, there's no happiness in your life. And again, if that's the kind of earthly father that you have, it, it may be easy to superimpose that on the everlasting father, but that's not who he is. The truth is, our God is a caring Father. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's gracious. He cares about you. He loves you more than you're even able to feel, understand this side of eternity. Your brain isn't capable of comprehending how much He loves you. In fact, compassion is God's number one character trait. Look at Psalm 103, verse 13. I love, like the way the Living Bible paraphrases it. One, two, three, go. He is like a father to us, but what kind of father? Tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him. That's who he is. And when Jesus came, he embodied that compassion. He embodied that, 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 uh, that characteristic of a compassionate God. What's, what's challenging about it is that the way he goes about it can be hard for us to wrap our brains around. 
Mark tells the story in his gospel of a time when Jesus was, of course, here and his disciples were out touring and, and doing ministry across the countryside. And at one point they got in a boat to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when they got out there in the middle of the sea, a storm came up, very common to the Sea of Galilee. And this storm came up, but uh, this time Jesus was in the back of the boat sound asleep when the wind started uh, uh, blustering and the waves started climbing and the ship started bouncing and water started coming over the sides of the little ship that they were in and the disciples panicked. They thought the boat was going to sink and they were all going to drown and so they ran back to where Jesus was sleeping and they yelled at him, screamed at him, Father, Lord, don't you care that we're drowning here? What are you laying here asleep and, and we're drowning? Can I tell you that I believe Jesus told that story for a very specific reason? Can I tell you I believe he told us that story because that's the question that every hurting soul that's ever lived asks. God, don't you care that I'm drowning here? God, don't you care about these hurts that I'm going through right now? God, don't you, aren't you even paying attention to the stuff that I'm going through, the stresses that I'm feeling, what's, what's happening to me? Don't you even care? Hear me, guys, until you answer those questions, you're going to hold God at arm's length. Until you come to that place where you say, I know who he is, and I know who I am because of who he is, whether I feel it, or see it right now is irrelevant. I know who he is. Until you get there, you will hold him at arm's length every day of your life. And I'm not telling you something I read in a book. Because I've had those conversations with him in the last couple of years since our oldest son went to heaven. God, where are you? Why haven't you done, why didn't you stop that? I mean, let's be honest, guys. We all have those moments, and I need you to understand that he can take it. He is a loving, compassionate father that understands the limits of our capacity. What he wants you to know is he cares. What I want you to know is whether you feel what he's doing or see what he's doing or not, he does care. He's there. In that story, Jesus got up and said, Peace be still, and the storm settled, and the winds stopped. The birds started singing praises to God. What I need you to understand is that Jesus wasn't asleep because he didn't care. He was asleep because he knew how it was going to end. And he wanted them to trust that he knew how it was going to end and they had to go through an experience of that before they would begin to trust him. And the reason I know that, it was the same Peter who was in the boat, probably the one who said, Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? Because that's kind of who Peter was. It was the same Peter that wrote 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Same Peter, same guy. He had to go through that experience before he understood who he is. So, so when you read that verse of Scripture, what, what, do, what does all include? Does it, does it include all the spiritual-sounding problems that you're engaging in right now? Sure. Does it go further than that? Yeah. 
All includes every financial problem you're facing or every relational problem that you're facing or every mental struggle that you may be having or any physical struggles that you're having. Does God care about your house payments? Somebody say yes quick. Does God care about the fact that you your kids need braces and you ain't got the money to pay for it? Yes, he does. Does he care about the fact that you want your kids to make better grades than they're making right now? Sure he does. Does he care about your financial investments or your ambitions or your hopes or your dreams? Absolutely. He's a caring father, and that's what caring fathers do. He knows every detail of your life, and he cares about them all. He knows about every hair on your head. He's even named them all with a number. There's not a person in your life who cares enough about you to go to that level of detail. That's how much he loves you. That's why Jesus instructed us in Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For your heavenly Father, your everlasting Father, knows that you need them. He cares about the details. He's going to meet your needs. Don't worry. Let me ask you this. You dads. How many of your dads, how many of you have either biological, adoptive, step, kids in your life. Any dads in the house? God bless you. I see your hands. Okay. If your kids came to you and said, you know what, dad, I'm really worried about what we're going to eat. How would you feel about that? I mean, if my boys came to me and said that when they were growing up, I'd have felt terrible. I'd have felt like a failure if I've left them so insecure that they don't even know what what we're going to eat tonight. They're all adults now. I'd say, go get a job and go to Bojangles now. But I mean, you know, back then, I just said, son, you ain't going to worry about that. Your mom and I have got this covered. We're not going to let you starve. Come on. Jesus is saying exactly that. That's how the everlasting father feels about you. Like any caring father was, it would. He doesn't want you to worry. In fact, when you do, what it actually says is you don't trust that he will. But what I want you to hear is if you're struggling with that right now, your problem may not be that you don't love him enough. Your problem is more likely that you don't understand how much he loves you. He is this everlasting father who loves us, never wants us to worry about where the food comes from. That's his job. We want it, we, he wants us to see him that way. Second myth. Second myth. I don't have time for that much on all of them. I wanted you to get that one if you don't get any of the others. Myth number two is God is unreliable. This idea that, yeah, well, you just never know what he's going to do. Usually uh, that's because you've been hurt somewhere along the way and it didn't work out the way you hoped it would. It's interesting how when people hurt us, we don't blame the people as much as we blame God. We kind of get this thing about, well, if God really loved me, he wouldn't have let that happen. Well, why did God allow this? If you love me, why, why did you let that happen? And I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there, done that. What I'm worried about is that some of us, if we don't understand who he is, if we start believing we, you really can't count on him, that you'll start holding him at arm's length, that you'll let resentment build up in your relationship with God for allowing those painful things to happen in your life again. I know the journey of that, but the truth is that our God is a consistent Father. You can count on Him. 
He's always dependable. He, he, he's consistent. That, that's who he is, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father who, read it with me, who does not change. Let's be honest again. Earthly fathers can be inconsistent sometimes. Am I right? Sure, I've had far too many people tell me, you know, when I was growing up, I just never knew which dad was going to show up. Sometimes my bad dad would show up, and sometimes sad dad would show up, and sometimes glad dad would show up. It often had to do with how much he was drinking or how his last bet on the last game went. I just never knew which was going to come. The sad reality is that inconsistent fathers often lead to insecure kids the question is where do we get our security from as lauren was suggesting to us during our song uh, time this morning that, that quite often our goals and our resolutions in life have far more to do with what we see in the mirror than it does with who we are i want you to come to that place where you understand i am the child of this loving caring, consistent father. There's a security in that. And he's never moody. He never has a bad day. He's never grouchy. He's never hung over. Can you imagine what it would be like if God woke up on the wrong side of the bed one day? Well, let me see. <clears throat> Not feeling too good today. I think I'll zap Pete today. Boom. <laughs> That'd be horrible. It just simply doesn't happen. That's not true. The good news, he is consistent, and he is consistently good. 2 Timothy 2, 13, if we are not faithful, he will still be faithful. His faithfulness is not measured by yours. Why? Because he cannot be false to himself. I'm so glad that on days when I'm down, when I'm struggling, he isn't. He's not down. He's not struggling. On, on days when I'm wondering if I can make it, he's victorious. On days that I see my circumstances as obstacles in life, he sees them as opportunities for me to rise above in his power and his strength. It's so important, guys, that you get that sense of security and that you base your own personal security in who he is. Even secular psychologists will tell you that with the world changing at such an incredible pace and, and the insecurities of, of our current climate in America, especially in our great nation, I love our, our nation, but the insecurities and, and the inconsistencies and the political strife and, and, the, and the changing cultures and things that are going on in our nation, even secular psychologists say we need, we need stability. We need something that we can depend on. Alvin Toffler wrote a book called Future Shock, and he said we all need islands of stability, a place we can go that we know it's going to be the same every time, and that becomes the foundation of our lives. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that never changes. God always acts the same toward you and me. He always acts with grace. He always offers his power. He always offers hope. That's who he is, and he can't be false to himself. So Psalm 59, 9 and 10 becomes, You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. You, everlasting Father, 
are my fortress. Again, if you didn't have a consistent dad and you try to superimpose that father image on God, that may be a struggle. If you can't, then let these words sink in. Let them resonate. Let them replace the tapes that are playing in the back of your head, been playing long enough, because the truth is God is a caring father. He's a consistent father. The third myth that we need to combat is this idea that God is somehow unavailable. Okay, he cares, and, and he's the same all the time, but, but, you know, he's just too busy for me. I mean, this stuff that's going on in my life is not nearly as important as, you know, as making more universes or something. You know, he's busy with other things that are far more important uh, than, than I could ever be. I mean, how could the God of the universe, universe be concerned about my job or, or my kids or my finances or my career, my school, my friends? How, how is that possible? It seems so petty when you consider God. I, I've even heard some teachers and preachers who teach this stuff. Those of you that know me well know that I've been involved in church planting most of my adult life, and, and I got involved with an organization, a Christian group, a few years ago that was very successful at planting new churches. And so I came alongside for a while, and for a while they were trying to recruit me to join, to join their group. And, and so I attended a lot of their sessions and, and helped train some of the church planters that was coming along until one day I'm in a session, and one of the leaders got up to speak. And, and when he did, he said, I apologize. My voice is a little crackly this morning. I have a cold, but don't pray for me because God has far more important things to deal with than my little cold. And I thought that was the strangest thing I'd ever heard a preacher say. So I actually went to him afterwards. We had become kind of, you know, maybe strong acquaintances, uh, not good friends yet, but strong acquaintances. And I called his name and said, dude, help me to understand why, why you said that. He said, oh, well, all that miracle stuff ended in the first century. And I said, well, I guess I can't be partner arm's length with this group anymore because I don't believe that for a minute. If I believe that my God is consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I have to believe that he operates the same way as he did yesterday, today, and forever. And he's as powerful to do miracles today as he ever was. And he cares about every detail of my life. The truth is, our God is a close father. He's available all the time, whenever you need him. He's not distant. Acts 17, 27. God did this so people would reach out for him and find him since he is what? Not far from each of us. He wants you to know him. He wants you to find him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And again, anybody that grew up with an absentee father may struggle to think of him in that way, but that's what he wants for us. Hear me. The everlasting father doesn't want you to just believe in him, though. He wants you to connect with him. So our everlasting father is caring. He is uh, consistent. He is close. Here's a fourth myth, and that is he's unable. He's, you know, he really isn't able to do anything about what's going on. I mean, even if he's close and, and consistent and caring, he can't really do anything about what I'm going through because if he could have, he would have. But the truth is, our everlasting Father is also mighty God. I mean, all those other things Isaiah said would be true are true. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the everlasting Father, but he is also the mighty God. That's what Isaiah 9, 6 calls him. So go back to the Hebrew 
and the compound name of mighty God, the Hebrew word is Gabor, mighty Gabor, the strongest, most uh, valiant, the champion, the hero. God in that context is Elohim, which is the highest expression of who God is, the one true and living God, Jehovah, the God who keeps his promises. In other words, he can handle any hurt you've got. He can deal with any situation you find yourself in. Nothing is beyond him. As hard as that is to fathom, it's true. One of the reasons, let's be honest, one of the reasons that it's so hard to fathom is because that doesn't fit the modern, the modern mold of fathers at all, does it? I mean, you, you watch TV shows or movies. How, how do they portray fathers these days? Anybody know? I'm sure you do. Think about a sitcom where there's a dad. He is the dumbest member of the family all the time. Though. Who are the smart people in the family in sitcoms, TV shows, and that sort of thing? It's the kids who are constantly outsmarting both parents. But the father is the dumbest one. It's mom who has to step up and bring the wisdom to try to finally resolve the tensions that are created in the TV show. That's the world that we live in, that fathers are incompetent doofuses. Like the two kids on the playground, one of them said, my dad can beat up your dad. Kid number two said, big deal, so can my mom. I mean, that's just kind of the mentality these days. But hear me, nobody can beat up your everlasting father because he is mighty God. Luke 1, 37, read it with me out loud like you mean it. For nothing is impossible with God. I know, I get it. When we're little, we're growing up, we think our dads can do anything. We think they can, you know, they can change the weather if we want them to. They can put decapitated heads back onto dolls. They can pull money off the money tree and buy us anything we want. They can do anything. But then as we get older and we have a little more life experience, we discover sometimes painfully that our dads have limits. That could be a painful journey to come to the realization and acceptance that our dads are not perfect. Sometimes we ask advice and they do their best, but they're just wrong. That's hard to deal with. That can be a painful discovery at best. It can be devastating when it comes to our dads. But hear me, God is never caught short. God is never wrong. He never lacks Wisdom. In fact, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. In other words, you think of the biggest goal, God says, I can top that. Think of the biggest problem, God says, I can solve that. Think of your biggest fear. God says, I can help you overcome that anxiety. I can help you not just deal with it, but overcome it. So the question then becomes, really, what, what have you been doubting God can handle? That's the only question that's germane. What, what, what are you concerned about that you think God really can't do anything about? Therefore, you have to handle it yourself, which brings us back to a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the only way you have the peace is if you accept the prince. Our God can handle anything. The truth is, our everlasting Father is caring, consistent, close, 
more than competent for whatever life throws at you because he is also our mighty God. So I got to close. I'm going to wrap this up. Told you I wouldn't keep you very long today. I already have. I apologize. But I want us to land on this thing. I think this is critical. I hope you'll keep it. I already saw after first service some people are posting it on Facebook, social media. I hope you will. I hope you'll even take a picture of the screen when it's up there and, and, and Instagram it. Put it out there. I don't care where. But uh, print it. Take it home and print it. Put it in, a, in, a, in an important place because I think it's important that we understand the only way the everlasting Father becomes our mighty God is the, the, uh, you've heard me say, if you've been here long, with every promise there's a premise. What's our our premise, what's our part? Galatians 3.26. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. We are children of God through, through what? In other words, you have to believe it's true before it's true for you. You have to believe it's true before it's true for you. You have to believe that Jesus Christ did in fact come and invade earth that first Christmas, and that he in fact is everything the prophet Isaiah said he would be, that he is wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, mighty God, before he can be those things for you. It's a matter of faith. According to your faith, will it be done to you, Jesus said. So in our closing moments, I just want to give you four simple faith statements based on what I've been trying to share with you this morning, and I want you to declare them. I want you to say them like you mean them, whether you feel them or not. Okay? Four simple statements. Statement number one, God is never too busy for me. Come on, say it with me out loud. God is never too busy for me. I want you to do it one more time like you mean it. God is never too busy for me. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on him. God never says, I got your call, but I was just too busy to answer. Doesn't happen. God is never too busy for me. Number two, God loves to meet my needs. Come on, say it with me. God loves to meet my needs. One more time. God loves to meet my needs. Matthew 7, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Yeah, earthly fathers can be selfish at times, but God's never selfish. He loves to meet your needs. Number three, God is closest when I'm hurting. Say it with me. God is closest when I'm hurting. One more time. God is closest when I'm hurting. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He never says, build a bridge, get over it. He sits, he listens in your times of trouble. He's there. In fact, the term that we pick up from the New Testament that becomes one of the most precious terms for this everlasting Father is, is not even a Greek or Hebrew term. The, most of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, most of the New Testament in Greek, but there's some Aramaic words that are mixed in to the midst of all of that, and one of them is the term Abba, which translates Father in most English Bibles, but it's a it's a lot more intimate term than that. It is, in Aramaic, the most intimate term they have for, for father. It, it, it carries the idea of endearment, of, of closeness, of safety. I guess probably the, the, the closest translation, the most accurate translation then would be daddy. This idea that he's my dad. When our boys were growing up, 
and to this day, uh, all of my boys had a name for me. Andrew always called me Pops. Adam, our middle son, called me, calls me Poppy. Zach calls me Dad. Our grandkids, we have eight now and thrilled and proud of every one of them. They all call me Gangan. I don't know why. The oldest one, Andy, started using it, and all the rest of them picked up on it. So I'm, I'm Gangan to all of my grandkids. Hear me. It isn't important what they call me. It's important that they have something they use to call me. So what I'm saying to you guys is I don't care if you call him God, if you call him Father, if you call him Abba, if you call him Jesus. I don't care what you call him. Just call him because he's got his ear turned to you. I mean, if my boys were to approach me and say, Greetings, Father. It is indeed a pleasure to encounter the procreator of the Wall family. I beseech thee for cash. How would I make, what, what, what's wrong with you? Where did you put my boy? Where did you put my grandkids? Well, who are you after all? So we go to God and we say, Our Heavenly Father, that thou wouldest, shouldest, couldest. King James just ish, this fancy prayer. And he's saying, just talk to me. Why do we pray differently than we talk to our closest friends? When he is Abba, Daddy. And he's closest when we're hurting. Number four, God is more powerful than my problems. Come on. God is more powerful than my problems. One more time. God is more powerful than my problems. I want you to scream it. God is more powerful than my problems. Whether I feel it or see it right now, it's true. Because the Word of God says that it is true. And my foundation is not my feelings. My foundation is the Word of God. I stand here teaching you some things that I didn't read from a book somewhere, some things I've lived out, especially over the last couple of years, and I've come to the conclusion that he is my everlasting father and he is mighty God. That's who he wants to be for you too. That's who he wants to be for you. Let's pray. As we just close our eyes for a moment in prayer before we close the service, what I actually want to do is, is pray a prayer over you that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Now see, I, I see you guys very much like the church at Ephesus. Paul wrote to them and said, you are the faithful in Christ Jesus. The saints, he called them. You are the beloved, he called them. You are the ones that God ordained before the foundations of the world that you be standing with him when all things comes under his headship. That's how Paul described the church at Ephesus, and that's how I think of you. Even with that understanding of how much he loved them and respected them, here's the prayer that he prayed over them, and I want to pray it over you. Just listen. As I read his words as a prayer, 
from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for we who believe. That power is the same as the mighty power he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God is saying to you on this last Sunday of 2019, come to me. I am your everlasting Father. I am mighty God. Call me Abba. Call me Daddy. Call me whatever, but call me. I care. I'm consistent. I'm close. And I'm more than competent to help you with whatever you're dealing with in life. Just let me be your everlasting Father and your mighty God. Father, you see who's praying. You see what's going on in all of our lives. You know the hurts, the habits, the issues that we address even as we reflect on life. The confusions, the questions, I pray simply that you would show yourself very real and powerful. Not only as we wrap up this year, but as we look forward to a year before us. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. If there's any one of you here today or watching online today that, that you're not sure that you have a relationship with this everlasting Father, this mighty God, can I beg you not to go another day, another minute without it? He invites you to come to Him right now. Just right now, sitting where you are with your eyes closed, reflecting on who He is as a Father. He simply wants you to respond and say, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiveness and fresh starts. I accept your grace. I want to be your child. Thank you, Lord God, for that privilege. In Jesus' name, Father, you know who's praying, you know what's going on. In every life, draw us to you. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name.